Bureaucracy's Basement to your ears. In compliance with Memo EX 1063, this is the weekly meeting of the Queen City Improvement Bureau. On this meeting, we have improvement vector candidates, innovative revenue tools, outstanding improvements, city council wrap-ups, and the full meal, wheel deal, block and spiel story. This meeting is now in session. Good evening. Hello. How are you doing? Yes, good. Excellent. We don't have time. <laughs> we have no time. We have we well, well our funding's been cut. Oh geez, very yeah. Budget. Oh no. So we don't have time like for any niceties today. All right, we've got attendance. to get right to work. Okay, attendance. attendance. Okay, go. Okay, go go go. You know, I, I I feel like I was too hasty there. Let's let's slow it down. Oh good. Okay. Thanks. So, uh, okay. So on this meeting. Um, Attending, we have, oh, an organization, Handmade Regina Cleanup. Wow. Yeah, they're like an artisanal hipster janitorial service. That's great. So they're yeah. now part of the QCIB, and we're going to be looking forward to artisanally clean sub-basement. Yeah, well, they actually, they, they're not like in-house. They, they do... Uh, like they're, oh. they're, they do the streets. Oh, yeah, and they, that's it, disappointing. It's artisanal. So what they do is they gather junk and then they make cleaning implements out of the junk they gather. Oh, so things get made and cleaned as they go. Wow, it's really weird. That is very very strange. Yeah, but you know, I'm not surprised that they would be joining us though. They they but they're very sincere about it. So. Good, good, good. Uh, uh, I don't see them here though. Oh, you know why? Why this is. This is my mistake. I think I mixed up the letters. Oh no! Hold on, let me uh, let me untangle this. It's gonna be this. Okay. Uh, oh, here we go. Uh, should be Paul Deschen and Aiden Morgan. That's us, me and you, respectively. Excellent. Okay, so we're all here. We are all here. Do we? Have do we, quorum? we don't have quorum. As usual. So nothing we do will be binding, but you know what? If oh. the decisions were binding, that might cost money. So. Well, as Handmade Regina Cleanup right. would say, "LOL, nothing matters." Hashtag something. I'm not sure. Okay. All right. So, but we do have we do have a guest tonight, an improvement vector candidate. Yeah. And uh, I believe it's Sean McEachern from the Urban Municipality Association. Hi, Sean. Hello. Thanks for joining us tonight. <laughs> no problem. Excited to be here. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for making the uh, the trip down into the sub basement. I know that it uh, it can be a little bit intimidating to make I it got down those stairs. Yeah. I everybody does. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. We did too. That's that's how we got these jobs, actually. <laughs> we were able to like, get down here in thirty minutes. Yeah. So they said you're hired. You're hired. Yeah. Well, actually, they didn't say that. They just, you know, didn't let us out. They just locked the door. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, here we are. And we just keep doing. We keep doing what we're doing. Uh, so we 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 wanted you to come down this evening because uh, last week the provincial budget dropped, and uh, there were some ramifications in that budget for uh, municipalities in the province and so you know we just wanted to hear from you like how awesome is this budget you guys must be like so happy finally a provincial budget it's all sorted out um and i mean if nothing else we've got something to talk about that isn't donald trump mm -hmm. uh <coughs> yeah and no uh, the saskatchewan urban municipality association uh, following the uh, the budget last uh, last week uh, took some time to analyze the contents of it and, and, and quite frankly there's there's elements of that budget uh, that uh, our members are are, com are outraged about and part of that is tied to the the removal of the uh, payments in lieu from the the two crown utilities both SAS Power and SASC Energy. Yeah. Uh, there are of course some other components of the budget that we flagged as, as being a concern but and we can probably talk a little bit more about that tonight sure. as well. So. Okay well with the payments in lieu uh, maybe let's start because uh, I suspect that virtually no one outside of this room knows what uh, that's listening to this meeting mm -hmm. knows what these payments <coughs> in lieu are. Can you give us like a? Mm -hmm. Can you keep it to twenty-five words and explain what they are? Uh, I'll do my best. <laughs> okay. uh, let's talk a little bit in the context of the city of Sas, uh, a city of Regina. So okay. uh, you and I, we pay our Sask Energy, Sask Power bills. So uh, both of those crown utilities uh, pay a, a payment to the the municipality, the city of Regina. In the case of Sask Power, if you look at your actual power bill, um, within your actual rate, there's a payment in lieu structure built into your your actual rate that you pay. And then in addition to that, there is uh, what they call a municipal surcharge. So if you look at your actual 
actual bill, you'll see the municipal surcharge. In the case of SAS Power, what the province is, is proposing is that uh, the payment in lieu portion built into the rate uh, that uh, currently SAS Power collects from you and I, uh, they then remit it back to the city of Regina. The province is saying we're going to hold on to that payment that the Crown collects and we're going to move that back into the province's general revenue. Okay, can I just can I run sure. through that one more time because I think that's one of these... This, this, is, is, one of this these is a concepts. little complicated, yes. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. one of these concepts that I think bears repeating. Sure. Yeah. That there is a surcharge on everybody's bill in yeah. the city and it is being collected by the utilities to pay the city for X that, that, the, that the utilities do and the province instead of giving that back to the city is going to be keeping it for themselves. Yeah, so you're close, one little error, okay. and I'll, what, I'll clarify. What I do? Uh, it's the okay. surcharge. The, right. On your SAS power bill, it says municipal surcharge. That money is actually continuing to be paid back to the city. Okay. Um, but there is another payment in lieu built into the actual rate. You don't actually see it. Oh, it's just okay. collected. Um, and that payment... So it's secret. It's, well, you can call it secret. It's it's somewhat hidden, right? Okay. Uh, the province is going to hold that part back. So that's the SAS power one. And that particular uh, holdback in, in the payment in lieu impacts uh, the cities. Um, Saskatoon, Regina, the Melverts, Melfords, Yorktons, and so on, the 16 cities that we have in Saskatchewan. Um, now, in addition to that, there's also Sask Energy. And, and again, looking at your Sask Energy bill, and this is the way we understand it, is that on Sask Energy, uh, again, you will see that there's a, a section on your bill that says a municipal payment. And in the city of Regina, I'll say municipal payment, city of Regina. Uh, you pay a fee on the cost of the natural gas and the delivery. Um, in my situation, I can talk about personally, it's a, equates about $7 uh, every uh, bill that we get on a monthly basis. Uh, that is the fee, and I understand that uh, the Crown collects and remits back to the city. That is the fee that uh, the province is uh, pr- uh, suggesting they will hold back and put back into the general revenue. Okay, so why does why do, why do the utilities collect this money and pay it to the city. What is what is what is it that they're paying for? So there's there's a mixture of uh, a lot of language has been used grants in lieu payments in lieu. Um, on the SAS power side, my understanding is uh, that's a collection of the fee to uh, recognize uh, in- infrastructure assets that SAS power has within the city. Um, that may be the case. I'm not 100 percent sure on that, but that's our understanding. On the SAS Energy one, and uh, it's tied a little bit back to when the SAS Power Corporation was actually created. Uh, SAS Power Corp- Corporation went around to all these municipalities, uh, and they signed agreements, and part of these agreements where they established franchise fees or municipal charges, and it was an agreement to continue to pay back the municipality. In some situations, these municipalities actually had their own power generation, and so this was an agreement to sort of create a broader uh, distribution network with the Crown Corporation. Um, now, some changes occurred when Sask Energy was created as its own crown agency, um, but those payments continued on. So uh, if you talk to various different people, you'll hear language around payments in lieu, franchise fees, and so on. Uh, either way, it's the same thing, um, right. and it, it has a long history. So it's been around since the 40s, 50s, uh, and you look at some of these agreements that do exist, and they're quite old. So. Okay. Hmm. I will confess that I really don't understand on a deep level anything that you've just said. <laughs> but, fair enough. Uh, the metaphor... If, I'm not even sure if I understand metaphor on a deep level, but the metaphor that they were using at the council meeting, they had an emergency council meeting on Monday to deal with the impacts of the provincial budget on the city. The metaphor they were using that this is kind of sort of like the utilities' property taxes that they're paying to the city. So the, the utilities are getting some benefit out of the city, and to pay the city for that and for the services that the city discharges to the utilities, they're paying these payments or grants. Yeah, and that would be true in the, in the context of a definition of grants in lieu. Okay. Um, that's usually the situation. Uh, one order of government will pay grants in exchange for the, the services uh, that the municipality provides. So, yeah. Okay. Although what you described was a simile. Oh, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> so, as you can tell, it, of course, is a, is a complicated explanation and issue. So Yeah. I'm not 100% cons- convinced that even government even knows what uh, what they're proposing as well. So, well, <laughs> okay, that's unheard of. Further to that, uh, what, Regi- what Regina found out is that with the loss of these payments in lieu, that they're going to be losing uh, when that when this when this is fully revoked, they'll be losing about 10.7 million dollars per mm-hmm. year, and it'll be 8.1 I think this year that they're losing because it's prorated to April. And then next year, they'll be losing a full $10.7 million. Saskatoon is losing a similar amount of money, like ten point three. Um, and yet, this did not become immediately apparent, from what I understand, that uh, when the budget dropped on Wednesday, 
nobody really heard anything about these these payments and these grants and they disappearing until like Thursday evening uh, while we were here, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. How did you guys find out that this money was disappearing from the municipal coffers? Well, in Budget Day last week, uh, when it was uh, shared with us that this was one of the the changes in municipal funding, um, at first we you know sat back and tried to figure out exactly what it was, and and then we started asking some more questions to to the government, and and it took them some time to provide some of the information that we required, and and uh, you know once we got our heads around and started doing number crunching, all the municipalities that were impacted, it, we quickly realized that this was going to have a huge hit on on urban urban governments throughout the province. Uh, right. So it wasn't like I mean a lot of times when they do these budgets, they'll have like a list of items <laughs> of importance where they say you know here's a cut. This, mm-hmm. this is getting cut. It wasn't like that with, with Grants and Lou, hey? It wasn't like there was a big, like, bullet point in a no. PowerPoint presentation. I, I would say uh, in, in the briefings that we got, it was just a reference within the speech that right. uh, there will be the removal of Grants and Lou from the two Crown Utilities to municipalities. Right. And uh, it was a surprise. I mean, this was not something that uh, we were expecting in any yeah. sense in terms of reduction of funding. So yeah. It was like a crazy, kooky mystery that you had to, like, sleuth out. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm making it sound a lot more like a Saturday morning cartoon. Than a lot more is. exciting than yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, it would I, uh, it would not be an exaggeration to say that uh, Regina City Council was on this on the furious side on Monday night mm-hmm. about this. Uh, that uh, it was referred to. Uh, Councillor Hawkins referred to it as this budget coming like a thief in the night, oh, yes. uh, skulking in the shadows. Uh, I I cannot get enough of Hawkins. Yeah, and his great and his great turns of phrase. Yeah, he's awesome. <laughs> um, and so on the one hand, the uh, everybody was happy that revenue sharing wasn't being touched. But then on the other hand, this was like a clawback of cash. Um, can you, can you talk some more about? what this means to municipalities across the province in terms of loss of revenue. Well, it's a significant amount in terms of dollars, and, and it ranges, you know, the $10 million in the city of Regina, Saskatoon, and, and it's uh, you get down to some of the smaller towns, and it's 13000 And when you really think about it, $13,000 isn't a tremendous amount of money, but when you look at the budgets of some of these municipalities, thirteen is a lot. And uh, so municipalities ultimately have, have a couple options. Um, they either increase their property tax rates um, or they cut services. Uh, and because local governments, urban governments, cities, towns, villages, uh, only have... Uh, you know, two sources of revenue. That's property taxes and the funding they get from the provincial government. Uh, there's no other sources they can call upon. Uh, they can't run an operational deficit. A lot of people aren't aware that actually local governments are, are legislative to not be able to run uh, an operational deficit. Um, so that's why they, they build up reserves, and, and the, the province has suggested that uh, perhaps they need to dip into those reserves. And in many situations, some of these towns have reserves, not a significant amount, um, and those reserves are set aside to deal with, you know, catastrophic infrastructure failures, um, things like a, a sudden snowstorm just blankets a community. Um, they also need those reserves to help in terms of their borrowing capacity for infrastructure, and they also need those reserves to help them match uh, federal and provincial dollars when it comes to infrastructure programs. So they're critical to the operation, and to, to essentially dip into them now, as I think the analogy has been used quite often, using your savings to pay for your mortgage, uh, is just, it's bad policy. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and this is 91.3 FM CJTR, Regina Community Radio. You're listening to the Queen City Improvement Bureau, and we're talking with Sean Keckert from SUMA. Um, how did, like, what, was, what was the mood at SUMA when this came out? Uh, well, as I said, you know earlier, it's uh, you know there, there's outrage within our members, within our, you know our board, uh, grave concern around the impact this will have. We're we're at the time of year where most municipalities are, are nearly completing to set their budget or have already set their budget. Uh, most municipalities, again, were, were heavily legislated by the provincial government, and, and uh, most are legislated to provide their budgets and and their tax notices by the end of April. Um, so th- there's a crunch on in terms of looking at uh, all of a sudden you get told, oh, now you're going to lose a whole bunch of money and, and particularly when you look at the cities uh you know they're getting hit really hard some of our towns are you know, feeling the pain as well and and that's a lot to ask you know you've set your budgets you found your efficiencies and municipal governments do a very good job at looking at ways to find efficiencies in their budgets because they just don't have another option to pull from and they can't run a deficit so you got to be smart about where you're spending those dollars and so they're now in a situation of having to figure out how to handle this so from suma's perspective you know we, we've uh, taken a position of uh you know advancing the interests of our members protecting their interests and, and finding a solution with government on this. So, mm-hmm. we, um, one of the things I pointed out at the council meeting on Monday was that uh, to offset 
a $10.7 million uh, loss to their budget, uh, they would have to raise property taxes by 5.1%. And mm-hmm. to offset the $8 million they're using this year, they'd have to basically double the mill rate increase. So they were going to raise it uh, 3.99% this year. They'd have to raise it a further 3.8% this year to make up what they're going to be losing from this. So people were People were choked about a four percent mill rate increase, and now they could be like to offset. They they could be looking at an additional four percent. Yeah. So it's a it's a pretty significant hit. Yeah, it's a hit to the the pocketbooks uh, of the citizens of the city as well. Um, you know, even leaving out the mill rate increases, you, you put it in the, visualize it. I think the city referenced that uh, the dollar value for this year equates to sort of not even maintaining their parks, their public spaces for for one year. Uh, the city of Yorkton used the uh, the story of that's pretty much shuttering their Gallagher Center, which is their large scale water park and rec facility for one year. Uh, we have some small towns that said, you know, that would involve probably not opening our hockey rink for about, you know, halfway into the season, we'd be able to open it, right? Um, So there's a number of challenges around that uh, that municipalities will be facing on that front. Uh, And, and, you know, you need to think about, too, in terms of the the people paying the property taxes. With the proposal that governments bring forward, you need to remember that you as a a citizen is also paying the SAS Energy SAS power bills. So you're now paying a fee that used to come back to the Crown and go back mm-hmm. to the municipality and be reinvested in services that that we used to provide our quality of life, you know, safe water, fire, policing, streets, roads, parks, rec facilities, and all this. Uh, that money's now, you know, the government's proposing, we're going to hold on to it. Yeah. Um, so it's 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 a tax, it's essentially becoming. So it's, uh, uh, it's something that people need to be aware of and the potential impact it will have. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, e- yesterday, I think it was Wednesday, uh, Mayors Fougere, Clark, some of the other uh, um, le- municipal leaders across the province, and Suma mm-hmm. uh, met with ministers from the province. Uh, could you give us an idea of what's been discussed and if uh, we're going to see any changes to this uh, to this line item? Yeah. So, uh, just in addition, the other uh, President Gordon Barnhart, who's the Suma president, and then our Vice President of Cities Bob Maloney, who's the Mayor of Yorkton, that participated in that as well. And you know, coming out of that meeting yesterday, they said they had a, a positive dialogue with governments. Uh, they had a good discussion around some of the challenges this proposal has and uh, going forward uh, they're going to be looking at uh, uh, working together to continue that dialogue around what that solution will be. Uh, SUMA will of course continue to sort of press in terms of what our interests are. We're we're, uh, continuing to uh, encourage our members to talk to their MLAs, the cabinet ministers, educate the public, uh, advance those interests and and make people understand what the potential impact this will have. Yeah, Yeah, another another element to it that uh has been raised is that this this uh, removal of the payments in lieu is not across the board in the province that out of the 700 and something municipalities rural municipalities and urban municipalities that it's only applying to i think it's the top 109 uh, municipalities that are going to be losing money to this? Yeah, so it's uh, SAS Power and SASC Energy only pay these fees to uh, urban municipalities, right. uh, cities and towns. There's no villages, just cities mm-hmm. and towns. Okay. Um, I can't speculate as to why the province didn't look at other options to impact the other municipalities. Um, spread the damage out. Yeah, spread the mm-hmm. damage out. I, I don't know why, um, but what I can say is, you know, right now the proposal that's on the table is going to be impacting, you know, 109 municipalities and they're all urban centers, you know, places where uh, uh, we're seeing a demographic shift in Saskatchewan. People are be- moving into more more urban uh, centers. Saskatchewan is becoming very urbanized. Uh, and these are the centers where the economy grows. Uh, these are the places that people want to live. They want to raise their families. There's rec facilities. There's, you know, uh, there's restaurants. There's paved roads, all these things, you know, the ability to to live a high standard of living. So. Yeah. Oh, maybe maybe they thought that by closing STC, they were already doing enough damage to the rural areas. So they're like, "Well, we can't we can't hurt them that much more." Well, and and on that topic, that was another one that we we flagged. Our organization took a policy mm-hmm. position on STC and and the importance that that crown agency provides to the residents of Saskatchewan. And you know, we live in a big big province with a lot of communities all over the place and for a lot of people that it was a a form of transportation you know you look at uh, urban municipalities in saskatoon regina moose jaw pa we all run our own public transit systems and and they're heavily subsidized there's no question about it uh stc is the public transit system for the government of saskatchewan and it was subsidized and it provided a valuable service and particularly for communities in the north you live in Laurent, saskatchewan um you need to get the pa or saskatoon for medical appointment if you can't afford to buy the plane ticket and you have no ride i'm not Mm -hmm. sure how you're getting there now yeah Yeah. well and and also the issue and uh i'll I'll just mention this that i used to take the bus uh north from saskatoon to pa and uh, when i'd go to waska and as soon as you start getting north of saskatoon 
the ridership on the bus becomes almost entirely First Nations. So basically what they've done is they've cut off a, a vital system of transportation for First Nations people wow. in, in, the, mm. in the northern parts of the province, or the sort of central to north, which I thought was... That's harsh. It was a bit harsh. Mm. Yeah. 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 And... Uh, on, on the city's front, I mean, we're coming off like a long stretch where one of the things that cities have been talking about is their infrastructure deficit mm-hmm. and that they sim- we simply don't collect enough money from property taxes and from grants to uh, maintain the infrastructure that we already have within uh, towns and cities. Um, and connected to that is the fact that Every city said after, on Wednesday after the budget came out, well, at least they're not touching revenue sharing. The money, the 1% from PST that cities get to support their infrastructure, at least they didn't touch, they didn't touch that. And yet I understand Premier Wall has been discussing touching the uh, revenue sharing with cities. Uh, could you give us a little bit more on that? Sure. I, I guess what I can expand on, what I, what I can tell you, and this is what I do know, is uh, the arrangement that was made with government after every census, uh, there would be an opportunity to review the revenue sharing program as is, uh, particularly looking at uh, the allocations within the pools and, and so on, and, and having those discussions with urban and rural in the north and the province around how, how we move forward with that program. Uh, again, I can't speculate in terms of what the, the Premier's motivation is, but what I can tell you for from, from urban municipalities, you know, we'll be at the table there again talking about uh, the need for continued investment in infrastructure and in urban operations and, and the value that uh, these municipalities provide. And, uh, as I said before, these are the places where our economy is growing. If, if the province wants to get out of uh, the deficit they're in, they're going to need to make sure that we invest in our cities and our towns because uh, that's where the growth is going to occur and that's where we're going to see the ability to, to grow this province even more. So, Yeah. What are you guys doing now? What's the, what's the next step for SUMA going forward? Uh, well, this uh, continues to be an issue. Uh, the the payments in lieu, STC, you know, libraries are on our radar as well in terms of concerns there. Oh, so right. we're we're going to continue to uh, to push forward, uh, educate our members, educate the public, uh, encourage the media to talk about this. Uh, this is an important issue. Um, it's impacting everyone. So we will continue to be there. Uh, advancing those interests and, and ensuring that uh, we do what's best for our members and, and hopefully we'll find a solution to this to alleviate some of those challenges. Uh, you know, one one important point that I'd like to inform a lot of people on is, uh, you know, if you look at public accounts from 2015, uh, the total provincial budget uh, was $15.15 billion. Uh, the total amount in community development invested in the municipalities equated to, I think it was at $600 million. So you're looking at 4% of the overall provincial budget is spent on municipal governments. And, uh, that's a, a good investment, but it's such a small investment as well in the grand scheme of, of the overall budget. So, you know, we're having a conversation now about trying to, you know, take away $36 million from uh, municipalities. And uh, it's unfortunate that's the path we're, we're having to discuss, and, and hopefully we'll find a solution to that challenge. So. Hmm. Yeah. Um, how's the, how do you feel your relationship is with the province right now? Uh, you know, we've had a, a very uh, healthy, uh, productive relationship with the government in the past. Uh, I think if you talk to our board um, and some of the communications you'd see from us, uh, it's strained now. I mean, I think there's some some language being used out there about disrespectful. Uh, you know, the consultation didn't occur on such an issue like this. And and uh, we've talked uh, with our counterparts across the country for years about the good relationship we have with the province. They established a revenue-sharing program, which is, you know, the envy of others across, the Canada, across Canada. And uh, going forward... I mean, I, I think their relationship may perhaps be a little bit strained, but again, uh, we'll come to the table. Uh, two orders of government will be professional and, and talk through the differences and hopefully find a solution. I hope so, too, because that's a lot of money. It is. <laughs> <laughs> to, to losing right now. Yeah. So. Yeah. And we're not getting paid as it is. No. I mean, they can't, um, like... Oddly enough, though, I looked at our operational report, and the budget for the Queen City Improvement Bureau is $10.7 million. Really? Yeah. There you Whoa. go. I don't know how why we're burning through so much money. Okay. I, I, have some, I have some guesses, yeah. <laughs> it's that Freon leak. We've got to fix that, that. Yeah, I mean, that's just it's yeah. eating through money. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks a lot for coming in uh, to talk to us about this, Sean. Uh, how did he do on the uh, uh, on, on, your, the, on, on, the on my complicated rubric? Uh, yeah. He qualifies as an improvement vector. Awesome. Uh, so we'd like to present you with our improvement vector certificate Unfortunately, because of budget cuts, we have to provide a use case for all vowels, so we've had to remove most of them from 
the certificate. Thank you. Yeah, not at all. It's super, still suitable for framing on nice, heavy cardstock. It is, it is. Well, it was a pleasure being on here tonight, and uh, uh, feel free to invite me back anytime. I'm always pleased to talk about uh, urban governance and municipal issues. So. Awesome. awesome. Great. Yeah. Well, you're always welcome in the sub-basement. Thank you. Thank you. Totally. Awesome. All right, well, now we're going to move on to the portion of the meeting where we discuss innovative revenue tools. And boy, do we need innovative revenue tools now. God, no now more kidding. Than yeah. yeah, we're going to have a heck of a report. Uh, but uh, tonight, innovative revenue tools. So these are tools, uh, ways for the city to improve its bottom line uh, by innovating with tools. But tonight, for revenue. For revenue. Tonight's, again, this week's innovative revenue tool is more related to CJTR, who kindly allow us to broadcast our meetings every week. Yeah, which is, and good on them. Yes. <laughs> bless them. Bless them for doing so. Yeah, so we're, we're talking tonight about the 2017 CJTR Look and Listen Lottery. The theme this year is Share the Coast. Uh, you see posters. To me, it always looks like a shave the coast, but it's share the coast. Yeah. Uh, and you have your choice of four different vacations, either in Victoria, Halifax, Portland, or San Francisco. All four great vacation destinations. Uh, that's the grand prize, uh, courtesy of Carlson Wagen Lee Record Travel. And you get uh, flight accommodations and $500 spending cash. I believe it's is it seven days, all told. Yes. Well, why, sure. not? why not? It's a period of time. We'll you say, have the script. I'll say that much. <laughs> it's, it's a little vague on that point. Uh, second prize is a $1,000 travel voucher from Carlson Wagen Lee Record Travel. Third prize, Regina Folk Festival 2017 Experience, and you get two uh, weekend passes to the Regina Folk Festival in 2017. Tickets are only $20 a piece, and there are only 1,500 available. So your odds, even if you just buy one, are good. If you buy a book of five, they're incredible. So I recommend you buy several books. Uh, you can Tickets can be purchased online at uh, cjtr.ca slash donate. Uh, or call the radio station during uh, business hours at 306-525-7274. Tell them the Queen City Improvement Bureau sent you. Also, you can contact us directly uh, on Twitter at Queen City IB, and we will hook you up with some tickets. We will also give you a certificate with your own title, which we are empowered to grant you. Uh, I believe the titles by the, are... By the uh, Galactic Empire. By the Galactic Empire. So we can offer you, I believe, Regional Director... Um, maybe Moff, Moff, Grand Moff. If you buy, if you buy more than one ticket, if you buy a book, I believe uh, you become, you can be a Lord Darth Vader. You can. Wow. Yeah. Or Lord Garth Vader. If whichever, whichever, whichever you prefer. Whichever you prefer. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. So yes, buy a ticket and support uh, CJTR. Yeah. Because they do great work. They do. And they support us doing great work. Well, <laughs> great in square scare quotes, which you can't see. <laughs> All right. Well, if that innovative revenue tool uh, is not awesome enough, we have a bunch more that I am going to play right now. Forthwith. He was, you, you said the yo thing. Yeah. No. Yeah. No, it's funny. No. No, it's not I'm not saying. Yo, I'm Jack. Hi, I'm John. And I'm Ada. And, and we're, we're from Radio Kids. Kids. And you're listening to... The Queen City Improvement Bureau on 91.3 CJTR Regina Community Radio. Hey, Hayden. Oh, hi. We're back from uh, Innovative Revenue Tools. Are you sure? I'm pretty positive. I feel I feel like I'm in a dream. Do you? Yes. What I, kind of a dream? A fever dream? I, I dreamed. I dreamed I was a bureaucrat. Oh. But now the dream is over, and the uh, radio broadcast person is i lost the thread of that <laughs> joke terribly yeah you did but, but if anybody has seen david cronenberg's the fly it's a it's a pretty poignant moment when uh, when he says a line similar to what i just said oh, yeah yeah oh yeah i'm not gonna belabor it anymore though. okay 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 uh so that was that was that was a heck of a thing so I we know. Just, we just got through that whole thing about payments in lieu. I know that was pretty yeah. good. We we got through and and Sean Sean guided us through a, a fairly wonky subject, uh, with uh, with ease and grace and competence and competence. I, I agree. Um, yeah. So one of the things that I alluded to uh, during this was the fact that uh, 
there there was a council meeting on Monday night, and there was a regularly scheduled council meeting on Monday night that was mm-hmm. canceled because of this budget. Uh, council was like, it, there was an emergency meeting on Monday night where council came out to deal with this, uh, the grants and loot disappearing. Uh, the uh, Wiscana Park is no longer going to be run by the WCA, the Wiscana Centre Authority. Mm-hmm. It will now be run by the province directly. It's folded into the Capital Commission, if I understand correctly. Yeah, yeah. something like that. Yeah. And uh, other things that they had to deal with uh, that uh, are they're concerned about uh, just the whole issue of downloading. Uh, next week, we're going to have Councillor um, Councillor Joel Murray uh, come to the meeting to I talk see. to talk more in more detail about the downloading the province has been doing to the city. I, however, will be on a fact-finding mission in Saskatoon. Oh, excellent! So will not be once again. I think this is the second time we've had Joel Murray on that I will not be there. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I hope you can get us finally in touch with the uh, the Bridge City Improvement Bureau. I will. I, I'll go. I'll look them up. Good. Yeah. Good, yeah, because I'd, I'd like to hear. I'd like to hear from them. Maybe we could like set up a joint meeting. That's a great idea. Yeah. Uh, the the meeting on Monday night. Anyways, the Monday night meeting, the emergency meeting, I found was interesting because it was this odd bit of political theater in that uh, nothing was done. They accomplished absolutely nothing. Uh, no decisions were made. No. Uh, actually, you know, they they said what they were doing is they were like providing ideas to administration. That they could, and they will be meeting again on April 10th to basically do. It, it sounds like they're going to be doing a budget do-over. That the budget that we just passed back in February, this this has been so significant a change that we are going to have to revisit the entire budget on April Whoa. 10th. Yeah, and so what this meeting was supposed to be about is council pitching ideas to administration on how to cope with this missing 10.7 million dollars. Was it which, set up like a dragon's den sort of thing? Actually, every council meeting kind of is. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where the councillors are like in a circle, like they're dragons, and the delegations come forward. The the, the Chad Novaks of the city come right. forward, and they pitch their ideas, and they get shot down. Anyways, this one was odd because you know the admin they could have just like, you know, during the day met with administration and said, "Hey, I got this crazy idea on how to raise some money," but they didn't do this. They did it in a fully open council meeting with the with the gallery full of people, and. Um, all of the uh, councillors had scripted speeches that they read with their sort of perspective on what's wrong with the budget. And uh, it, it felt very much like they were speaking to the media about oh, okay. you know, giving, giving context to what was going on. Um, interesting, useful, uh, but yeah, it was, uh, there, were, there were no decisions made at Monday's emergency meeting. Uh, which was a surprise that nothing beyond pitching a few ideas to administration. So, yeah, in two weeks we'll have another meeting and we'll be able to talk about it in more detail. Then. Cool. It would have been cool if they'd actually, along with scripted speeches, like maybe done a little song and dance. Like there was you, a little bit of that. You know how council can be. Yeah, like a little like, bit of song dance. They're like, hey, remember a time when Cats was all the rage and then they go into, like, a, you know, memories or something? Yeah. It's pretty great. Yeah. Well... We can write up our report and request that for next for April 10th. I think I think they'd enjoy that. Yeah. Uh, so then, what happened with the Monday night agenda is that it happened on Tuesday night. Yes. Right. So there was a second council meeting this week. I attended both council meetings. I live tweeted through both council meetings, and I do think that I should that there should I should have unlocked some achievement <laughs> for doing two council meetings worth of live tweeting in a week. Like some coins or like a like a free man or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll grab a life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Or yeah. just a one up. Or just a frickin' trophy. That's all I want. <laughs> Ching. Yeah. Um. So the big issues we previewed. The what turned out to be the Tuesday night uh, council meeting agenda. We previewed it on the last uh, the last council meeting mm-hmm. or the last QCIB meeting. Sorry, right. um, and I thought what we could do is we could look at a couple of the sort of the two big items that like the gallery was full up with people to discuss, and the main one, the one that the most people showed up, and the most tattoos. I should add, really, the most tattoos showed up to the city council for uh, the the delegation of authority. Uh, for the uh, Regina Revitalization Initiative Stadium Reserve for food and beverage. Oh, yeah. So these were naturally f- food and beverage tattoos. Yes, it was the beer community. The, oh, um, of course. Yeah, the uh, Craft Brewers Association, the Saskatchewan Craft Brewers Association, came out um, to uh, to speak to this. The issue here is that the city wants to take nine million dollars from a reserve to pay for the complete to get to help real pay for the completion of the food and beverage service within the stadium. Gotcha. This raised three issues were on the docket that people were upset about. The first one was from Chad Novak. 
He raised concerns about that $9 million coming out of the reserve, saying that reserves are for emergencies. And by adding $9 million to the bill to fix up the food and beverage, which should have been part of the construction of the stadium to begin with, mm-hmm. we, were adding to the char- to the, we were adding to the cost of the stadium overall. So instead of the $138 million that we've been told that it's actually, you know, $138 million plus whatever we're paying for food and beverage. The second issue that came out of it, uh, that was raised, was the one that the craft brewers were there for. And what their concern was is that uh, craft brewers like Rebellion and Multinational may not be able to sell their beers in the stadium. And it's supposed to be a community stadium because it was paid for with public money, so why can't our local breweries sell their beer in the stadium? Right. Um, the third issue was that uh, community groups wouldn't be, uh, they didn't know if community groups would be allowed into the stadium. But I want to go back to uh, what the um, craft brewers, the issue that they raised. This uh, is a recording of Carrie Stenson from the Craft Brewers Association. This is what she had to say about uh, their concerns. When the city has craft beer on tap in their stadium, everyone wins. Consumers get more choice, local producers get exposed to a wider audience, and profits are reinvested in the local economy. It just makes economic sense. Through discussions with city and stadium officials and our own research, we can set up self-sufficient booths offering a variety of local craft beer from our members. These booths would be extremely cost-effective to install and operate while still being functional and looking professional. We do not need to be a part of the massive beer system being installed for Molson Coors. The SCBA has had numerous discussions with city administrators and officials from Real over the last two years. Verbal assurances have been made repeatedly that local craft beer will be offered in the new stadium. This has also been stated on the official RRI Twitter account and has been stated multiple times during public speaking engagements by various city officials. However, to date, we have not received any assurances in writing, nor is there any mention of local craft beer in the document being reviewed today. Mayor and councillors, I have two questions for you today. First, will Saskatchewan producers be given the opportunity to offer their products in the new stadium? And second, does the estimated $20.5 million food and beverage project include consideration for Saskatchewan craft beer producers? Thank you for your time. All right. So that was uh, Carrie Stenson from the uh, Saskatchewan Craft Brewers Association. And so, in short, their concern is that they've been assured that craft beers would be allowed in the stadium. We're running out of time. There's like three months until the first events mm-hmm. are going to be held there. They still do not have confirmation that that's going to happen. Hmm. And, in fact, what they have, what everybody does seem to know, although it was a total surprise to me, is that the Rough Riders, because they bought the sponsorship rights for the stadium, they sold the pouring rights to the stadium oh. to Molson. So for every event at the stadium, Molson's has the rights to sell beer. And so there's like a single, basically there's a single spigot, a single like pipe, beer pipe, <laughs> that's going to service all of the beer spigots in the stadium, and it's a Molson pipe. Well, from what I understand of like massive companies and uh, grabbing up rights, they'll be only too happy to share space with the craft breweries. That is the concern that was raised at City Council, that mm-hmm. if if Molson's already has these rights, how is it that craft brewers are going to be able to get in there and sell their stuff? Um, but there was another scandal that I think is far more important Ooh. that we need that, that we need to blow the lid off right now. And it was from some comments that Councillor O'Donnell made, and I'm going to play them right now. Councillor O'Donnell? Uh, thanks. Nice to have you here. I think you brought some friends with you as well. That's nice. We Good for you. Yes. Thanks for that. <laughs> uh, full confession, I either had a misspent youth or didn't have a good youth. I've never had a beer in my life. So, Councillor O'Donnell has never had a beer in his entire life. That is disgusting. Scandalous. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, is, is he never, like, for, is he a complete teetotaler or has he just never had a beer? See, unfortunately, we don't get to interrogate counselors at points like this during council meetings huh. to find out what the heck is going on. But yeah, never had a beer. And yet he did not recuse himself from discussion of beer <laughs> at this council meeting. He just carried right on. And then he said, in that case, I'm going to have to do a keg stand right now. Yeah. yeah. And then he did one and uh, things. And then the whole meeting turned into a big party. Yep. Yeah. No. No? No, that did not happen, sadly. <laughs> I wish I could report that that is what happened at the council meeting after this. But no, actually, Councillor O'Donnell asked some very good questions about uh, why would anybody want to drink craft beer? 
what's the deal with what's 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 up with craft beer and uh got some good answers from craft brewers about how you know there's a lot of effort put into like flavor uh that um you know that they have a community that they're building in saskatchewan yeah. that appreciates the beers that we have here mm-hmm. and they're local they boost the local economy they should uh, they should have access to the stadium i completely agree yeah. i mean if you want beer that actually tastes of anything at all mm-hmm why not get some craft beer? Exactly. Well, I'm here to say on 91.3 Regina Community Radio, on the Queen City Improvement Bureau, that we got answers of a sort to these questions. <laughs> of a sort. At the council meeting. And I'm going to play you all of the answers that we got in sequence. Of a sort. <clears throat> so, first off, we're going to address Chad Novak's concern about the $9 million being drawn from the stadium reserve to pay for food and beverage service in the stadium. And we're going to be listening to a little bit of the mayor, and then we're going to be listening to Kim Onrate from City Administration. Excellent. And I'll play that now. Before we go to the report, I, I would like to uh, have uh, some comments from the administration uh, on uh, 17-23. Mr. Holden? Uh, Your Worship, I'm going to ask uh, Kim Ron. Kim Onright, the executive sponsor for the RRI and the Stadium Project, to provide comment. Mr. Onright. Thank you. Your Worship, members of City Council, the first three items on the report in front of you tonight are housekeeping items, so I'm not going to talk about the detail in those. They're very straightforward. I am going to talk about item number four. Uh, which is administration is asking City Council to approve the withdrawal of up to $9 million from the Stadium Reserve to complete the food and beverage project. There is a decision made in 2014 to remove food and beverage from the base building project of the $278.2 million. The City's consultants at that time and the successful bidders felt at that time there would be more value for money by removing and keeping that part of the project separate and outside the base building. To date, there has been $11.4 million invested, $6.9 million from Rio, which is for the actual kitchen equipment, uh, the, the point-of-sale uh, software and controllers. There's been $4 million as a part of the 278.2, which is for the base building work that needed to be done to allow for this part of the project to actually happen. So an example of that would be uh, beer conduit run through the, the cement work while the base building was being done and some of the uh, design work that had to be done at the time of base building to provide uh, for the, uh, for the food and beverage work to be done at the end of the project. The remaining $9 million for the project, there's been question about that money coming out of the reserve. One thing to understand is that money is being replenished back into the reserve. So it's not a, not a complete draw on the reserve. The money over time is being put back into the reserve. Those Discussions and negotiations are currently in, pl in place and ongoing with REAL as we work through the operating and maintenance agreement with them. And the terms of the agreement will be forthcoming and a follow-up report will come back to this council on the funding model for the, uh, for the stadium. Okay, so that was Kim, Kim Onrate from City Administration. That thrilling bit... Wow. Explains everything that happened, and I just ate up three and a half minutes of your life. With Thank that. you very much. Well, he answered, as I heard, question number four. And anytime I want a question number four answered, I'm going to talk to Kim on, right? That's your man. I'm going to call him. I'm actually going to call him Kim right on. <laughs> We've got to get him on the show to tell him. <laughs> I know. I know we do. Um, so, in short, Real, the Regina Exhibition Association Limited, is in charge of food and beverage for the stadium. Uh, it is their job to uh, build the food and beverage stuff. This is basically a loan to them. 
Mm. This $9 million. It's going to be repaid. Uh, although, as you pointed out, the negotiations for that $9 million are still ongoing. Uh, as Councillor Stevens pointed out, the city does not know how or when that $9 million is going to get repaid. So he was the only councillor to vote against uh, this uh, this item because mm. he wanted to, he was, he felt trepidation at agreeing to loan $9 million to Real without knowing how, they're, how or when they're going to pay it back. Fair enough. Um, the next thing that Kim talked about was the, uh, the question of the beer. So I'll play that right now. There have been a few questions that came out of um, public exec committee a week ago, uh, and I, I think we heard some of the delegations uh, bring those forward today. There are ongoing discussions uh, rega regarding craft brewers in the stadium. There are ongoing discussions between the riders and real. Also understanding that there is a contract between the riders and Molson Canada on the pouring rights in the stadium, which Molson Canada has. There will be discussions forthcoming uh, with real and vendors, including craft brewers, on the detail of that and what that will actually look like. But they currently aren't at that point. Even though there is only three months to, uh, to the uh, first game, uh, these discussions are, are continuing and the city does follow up to ensure they are continuing and moving forward uh, as required. All right. So, again, that was Kim Onraid on Monday's, uh, Tuesday's council meeting. Mm -hmm. Basically saying in a very roundabout way that, and this, this came out uh, through further conversation at council, that craft, there is a provision within the contract that exists between the City of Regina, Regina Exhibition Association Limited, the Rough Riders, and we think maybe Molson's as well, that craft brewers will be allowed into the stadium. Right. The negotiations are ongoing. We don't know how much they're going to be allowed, when they're going to be allowed, any of the details of it. There's three months left, in the, the, and as we heard before, the craft brewers are getting antsy. Yeah. And I won't play it, but the same thing again with the community associations, or the community groups. Excuse me. Yeah. Uh, community groups, to raise money, have traditionally in the, the old stadium, uh, sold liquor, basically sold. Uh, mm -hmm. they, they were the ones who would like be standing behind the counter selling beer and wine, hard liquor. And for some community groups, their summer at Riders Games and other events selling liquor would pay for their entire year of programming. And they need to know soon if they're going to have access to the stadium right. because otherwise they're going to have to find a new fundraising system for this year. From what I understand in other stadiums, Molson has allowed other breweries and community groups in, but they have to have somebody from Molson there right. who will actually stand there and say, you sure you want to do that every time somebody orders a non-Molson product? Yeah. And then sort of chuckle knowingly. Yeah. Like, okay, it's it's your choice, <laughs> and you feel really bad. Yeah. yeah it's they're sneaky that way. They are. So I don't I don't know what to say at the end of it. Uh, the the mayor again uh, in his statements was adamant that craft brewers and community groups were going to be in the stadium. He was adamant that this is a community stadium and that you know that the rights haven't been sold out from underneath under, from underneath us across the board. Right. Uh, but the city council cannot get involved. Uh, Real is municipally owned corporation one hundred percent. Uh, but they are at arm's length from city council, so they get to conduct these negotiations on their own. Right. Yeah. Okay, so that was the end of that. Uh, and that's that's all we know for now, and I'm sure more will come out in future. The mayor but basically, was adamant. He was adamant. <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, so basically it was a big, long way of saying there's nothing here. <laughs> uh, Glockenspiel. Glockenspiel. We talked about it in the last meeting. The Glockenspiel has been uh, sitting in storage for many years it was taken down to make way for the plaza mm -hmm. uh it was paid for by the multicultural association with support from the Ger german community association or the german community right and it's been missing and it's been found and we there was a report at council saying look the bells are fine the bells are like wrapped up they're in storage they're beautiful and the structure on which the bells hang is yes it's outside in a yard but yeah. it was built to be and it's it's like a it's like a recipe. It's a Glockenspiel marinade. Right. Just take one Glockenspiel, uh, 
like put in about an inch or so of standing water. Mm-hmm. Uh, mix in maybe 150 kilograms of like Regina clay mud. Mm-hmm. Uh, cover in wind, like snow and rain and wind and the elements. Mm-hmm. And you just marinate that for seven years. Mm-hmm. And ta-da. Wow. Profit. <laughs> Profit soup, you mean? Del- delicious, delicious marinated glockenspiel. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, we're going to be getting that marinated glockenspiel back, people hope. Good. Yeah. The bill came in, as we mentioned last week, at $512 million. Did I say million? $512,000. <laughs> I like that better. I like $500 million. <laughs> yes. Um no, five hundred and twelve thousand dollars was the uh, the quote that the city cited as for how much it would cost to put that back up, to put the Glockenspiel back up in the plaza. The German community came out to the council meeting and said, "You know, we know, we know dudes, we know dudes who could do this for less." Yes. And so, uh, based on that, what happened was Councillor Stevens came forward with a motion saying, "Look, we just got hit in the side of the head with a big old provincial budget brick. We are." You know, facing a crisis right now, mm-hmm. five hundred twelve thousand dollars. We can't approve this. Let's put it out for tender. Fair enough. Yeah. So what they're going to do is they're going to do a request for quote, and uh, they're going to see if they can get a cheaper price than five hundred twelve thousand dollars. And oh. if they can, they'll put the Glockenspiel up. If not, they're going to have to wait because they just don't have the cash for it right now. It sounds like. I, I should mention that before the this meeting, we were talking about uh, having the RSO show up on the plaza. Yeah. And and uh, perform Glockenspiel tunes. Uh, I had the even better idea of taking the Glockenspiel struck Glockenspiel structure mm-hmm. and uh, attaching uh, RSO members oh, to the structure. Good. Yeah. And then they could play whatever like, traditional blocking, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, uh, every hour on the hour. Yeah, and I'm sure for five hundred twelve thousand dollars, we could pay the RSO to play in perpetuity. <laughs> okay, maybe not, maybe not perpetuity, <laughs> but it, but I, I'm I'm sure I'm sure that could be for five hundred twelve would be good. Yeah, um, but yeah, so there you go. That's that's our council council Excellent. meeting. Wow, well, that was that was a pretty good. Uh, Cal- Again, you're calling this a council meeting? Oh. No, th- I'm th- I was referring to the council oh, meeting oh. I just discussed. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I thought you were saying that we were killing, like we were putting no. on airs here in the basement. Well, you know, we kind of are. We are. We're, put- we're putting yeah. on airs. Yeah. Just like the RSO would put on airs on the Glockenspiel. Yeah. All right. got to call a German. We've run out of time. Right. And, yeah, and, there's, and there's a Matty V chomping at the uh, bit outside. Th- that is true. Yeah, he, he, wants, he wants in. And he's yeah. shaking the doors. Uh, okay, so I'll move to adjourn. I second that motion. Okay. Um, motion carried. You have been listening to the Queen City Improvement Bureau on 91.3 FM CJTR, Regina Community Radio. This episode has been brought to you by Councillor Hawkins, Mock and Stockins, the stockings that make fun of you. This is co-hosted by Paul Deschen and Aiden Morgan. Music, as always, by Ryan Hill, a.k.a. Guidewire. Our guest today is Sean Kicker from Saskatchewan Urban Municipalities Association. You can find us on iTunes, uh, on Twitter, Queen City IB, on Facebook, or on our own website, queencityib.com. And, of course, we also live at cgtr.ca slash podcasts. Find us there. Is there anything else? There is more. Coming up next, we have Maddie V with the Nerdcore Cabaret, followed by the cockpit. Keep on improving.